are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. There's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the case. Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute a podcast about conspiracies. My name is Luke. I'm Salty. And I'm Cam. And our welcoming, our new co-host, Andy Nolch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a bit on the nose, isn't it? It's, well, this is, this is the thing. Yeah, there's not a lot of conspiracy podcasters in Melbourne. So when you find another one... Well, there's Jeff. Now there's Jeff. It only makes sense to join forces. Who's, who's Jeff? Jeff from... The We Are Change guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Channel 31's Injustice. Yeah. Jeff O'Toole. That's not a podcast. It's a YouTuber, isn't it? Or does he also podcast it? Well, vodcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sorry. No. Andy Nolch will not be joining our podcast. after Just after we recorded the last show, it was revealed that he'd been arrested for defacing the memorial to Eurydice Dixon. Someone immediately tweeted at me the fact that he was a Melbourne-based conspiracy podcaster. At about the same time, actually, I received a text message from one Andrew Saltmarsh uh, telling me urgently to turn on gold at the radio station. I thought, ah, Salty has heard this on the radio and he's letting me know about this burgeoning PR nightmare for the Melbourne Conspiracy Podcast community. But actually, he was just texting me to let me know that... uh, Life on the Outpost. (laughs) By the Scat Brothers was on the radio. (laughs) Important text. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't want so him to miss out on this banger. Gold FM is your station That's of choice. Usually on in my car, yeah. yeah. Or Nova. Yeah. yeah right. for, for a middle dude. Yeah. This doesn't seem very middle. Well, see. He loves the classics. I like the classics. And the cl- like, usually the music is good on gold, good as gold, because I like the classics. Yeah. But I like the, the chuckles of the Nova <laughs> drive team. Uh, you like, like an FM radio band. Yeah. Yeah, as you can see from the bands that we have here, yeah. <laughs> which where we simply emulate FM radio. Yeah. Boing, boing, boing. What are we talking about? Today we are going to be talking... Oh, oh this is a bad segue. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about <laughs> uh, Phantom Social Workers, which was a phenom in the UK in the 90s mm. and possibly even in Australia in the... Was it this year? Yeah, it was. Was it this year? In the Februaries. Yeah, right. And we're also going to talk about D.B. Cooper, 
Oh, the true. famous Skyjacker. Skyjacker? Yeah, that's what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, fair enough. Let's start off with Phantom Social Workers, though. Sure. This is a uh, creepy one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree so, with that. You don't think it's creepy? No, I do. I uh, let's, let's go into it first. Yeah, and then I'll start off with my... what the phenomenon is. Yeah, yeah. Right, so in the 90s, early to mid-90s, there was a rash of these cases in the UK where basically what would happen is mum would be home alone with her bub, knock on the door. Oh, hello there, we're from Children's Services or we're from the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, which is apparently a real organisation. Right. When I saw that one, I was like, that's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, we're, you know, we're with DHS or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we've come here to do an inspection of your, of your child. We've had reports that uh, this child might be in danger or being neglected or something. So we just need to come in and clear that up. Check the house, make sure it's safe. Mm. Fairly par for the course stuff. Mm. They'd come in, have a look around, you know, inspect the child, etc., etc. Maybe give slightly bit of an odd vibe. Enough so that afterwards, the, the mum or whoever's at home calls up their local uh, human services office or whatever it is. Mm. Only to discover there's been no complaints. We haven't sent anyone. Mm. We don't have that social worker. Red flag might be that they didn't have any ID or anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, one of the creepy things I'd do is if the mum would say, oh, the child's asleep, can you come back later? Mm. They'd be like, oh, no, we'll wait. And they just kind of sit there and wait. Yeah. Which is a bit creepy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so what do we think about these? So this happened, when did this happen? The 60s? No, 80s? 90s. 90s? The 90s. But it was triggered by an actual event, right? Well, so there was, a, yeah, there's, a, I think there are like something like 200 reported cases of this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a police task force was formed called Operation Childcare. Uh, clearly, the Kate Operation naming guy was off sick that week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you don't want to, you want to play a pretty straight bat with these kind of operations. No, but like the... It's the big follow-up to this Operation U-Tree where they ping, like, to looking into Rolf Harris and Savile and yeah. all those guys. That's a good classic operation name. Right. Operation Childcare. It's like, well, firstly, children aren't actually being looked after at any point. Yeah. Doesn't even have anything. Should have been Operation Child Scare. <laughs> Salty. Hey. Get him in Bring. there. Bring. <laughs> um. So there, there were yeah there were multiple task forces set up about this I think yeah um, what they determined was that most of the stuff was just misunderstandings mm. or didn't happen yeah. but yeah, there was a few cases where someone was you know maybe desperate for attention bit of mass hysteria uh, there was a few things where it was like oh you know we called up you know if you're dealing with any sort of government agency like if you actually did get visited by like a child worker, a social worker, and you called up the office and asked them about it, like chances are you're probably going to get someone who's like, I've never heard of that person before. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge organisation. Also, let's face it, child service officers are notoriously bad at paperwork. Mm. Like throughout history, even up until now, when the US government's famously losing kids. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. not something they're good at. <laughs> We've got no record of that. But yeah. we are also running like 
a paper filing system yeah. <laughs> from the 1960s. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't see that as a red flag. I found this this thread on Reddit discussing this and these scenarios, and a lot of people commenting saying, "I I work in the industry, and yeah, this is we no one would know." It's just the no one knows what's going on in this in this industry. It's just all over the place. So it's that part of it isn't surprising. I think the government got in a bit of shit too, right, for spending millions of pounds on a investigation that basically ended up showing nothing. Yeah, but I mean, you've got to investigate these things, right? Yeah, but like when they come to the end of the investigation and go, yeah, prob- that was probably nothing. Yeah, but I guess if they didn't investigate and it turns out someone was taking kids. Yeah, or if they did investigate and uh, two people by the name of Marietta Higgs and Jeffrey Wyatt were left to do what they were doing. You guys heard about these two? Is this the doctors doing the little... The RAD The little probe? test? Yes. Um, so these did guys, you actually look into what the test involves? Because I let my imagination decide what the test involves. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. So it's okay. actually used in other things. And what's it called? Uh, RAD. Rectal. <laughs> no, it doesn't say rectal. I don't know where you get that from. It's reflex. Anus. Anal dilation. Uh, where basically these two pediatricians devise this test where... Should I say my imaginary one first? <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> where they, they run a brush or something over the anus of a child and whether it dilated or not a certain amount was proof that that kid had been molested. Uh, and these hooligans, was that better or worse than yours? M- much the same. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, um, I think it was slightly better. <laughs> but as many noted later on, tantamount in itself to child abuse. Yes, yeah. So they, I think, did like 200 tests right. before people twigged and went, nah. So what was the... Th- like, I'm just trying to... So the, the damage or scarring done to a... A child would right. show up on the way the anus reacted, kind of like if you're let's, let's say if you get hit on the knee with those little hammers, yeah, you go yoink. But if your nerves are damaged or whatever, you won't get a, a kick. Yeah, same kind of thing. So what I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So these guys went around doing that. So this was in the late eighties. Yeah. So they. One of them, by the way, was Australian. Really. Aussie. 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 Oi, oi, oi. That one, yeah, that lasted a while and then people twigged and yeah. I don't know if they got arrested or anything, but... No. Uh, they should have. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Do you, what else, what do you well, because that's something that happened in the late 80s in the UK mm. and sort of the backlash to that when it was determined, that, oh, hang on, this is a bit weird. It's sort of... Because a whole heap of kids got taken away from their parents because of that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, for like no real good reason, and that sort of gave this sort of set up the seeds for this thing to happen later on this hysteria or whatever it was to like allow that to manifest. Yeah, because there was this distrust and there was this idea that your kids could be taken away for no reason. Of course, there's some other explanations. Could have been gangs of pedophiles. Yep, which UK has no shortage of. Yep, it's fair. Uh, it could have been someone. Like women who wanted babies, because mm. uh, a lot of the times these things involved women. Often it'd be like a professionally dressed young woman, but then they'd like look out at the car and there'd be a couple of blokes sitting in the car. Mm. Um, and yeah, some of it was just 
made up. Most of it was made up, done by the investigations. Yeah. Mm. But it did happen here in Australia mm. recently. Near Canberra. Yeah, does anyone know about that one? I think it was just <laughs> they showed up uh, and uh, then they left. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, and and like there was a police report and the police sort of said, yeah, it happened. Because I, I feel like a lot of these ones seem to be a little bit urban mythy mm-hmm. where might have happened once or twice and then, oh, friend of a friend. Yeah. Yeah. So the, what they're eventually investigating is, oh, you know, my cousin heard that this happened to this house. They go around there like, no, that didn't. Yeah, because there was only I think they found two cases. Yeah. When uh, when this idea was pitched to the group, I thought it was going to be bat ghosts. I thought it was going to be great, and it was going to be <laughs> like full of yeah a lot of urban myths and stuff. And there ended up not being much to it. No, there were some dodgy doctors. Yeah, going around giving the old brush up the brown eye to <laughs> some kids. Yep, that triggered off some panic that oh. went nowhere because they didn't. No one was actually doing anything. Yeah. A couple of kids did get abducted though, right? That they was that right? Well, no. I think the only one I actually found was uh, in 1947 in the US, right. which is a similar kind of case, but not the same. Basically, mm. uh, it was after a tornado, and uh, Joan Gay Croft, uh, her whole family or most of her family was hurt in this tornado incident, right. and someone allegedly came to the hospital and said, "Oh, we're here to pick up this patient." And then she was never seen again. Right. Um, there were a few reports that she was living in Oklahoma and it was just all a big mix up. And mm. there was a lot of differing stories as to who her family actually were. Um, so, I, look, I think it might just be one of those things that probably never happened or it didn't happen the same way as everyone, right. as the myth over the years. Yeah. yeah. But that was the only sort of name that I had that mm. came up. I guess I don't publish names of yeah. child abductees that often. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think anyone actually got taken. There was even there was one where there was a report that like someone had come in and like put a stethoscope on a baby. Mm. But then in the police response, they went to great pains to say that uh, no physical contact was made with the child. So well, I guess if you don't I had count, a buffer. if you don't count stethoscope, yeah. <laughs> I'm not touching you. I'm not yeah. touching you. I'm not touching you. Um, I did read. This case on another subreddit uh, called Legal Advice, mm-hmm. where a lady said that someone turned up to her house and she was pregnant, and her husband had like had one drug conviction years ago, which he kind of downplayed, but he he went to jail for it. Yeah, he's like, oh, we you know it was just a mistake. It's done well, the time, mate. It's done the time. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, she An old hangman Robbo over no, here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Once a crim, always a crim. Um, Please don't look into my past, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Even his very recent past. <laughs> um, the, yeah, so someone came around and said they were doing this kind of thing. Or, you know, said, we're here to check out um, your drug use. We've been told that you guys are drug users. And she's like, oh, I haven't even had the baby yet. And so she asked them this legal advice subreddit, like, what's the deal here? What what position do I have? And then and everyone commented, like, uh, that shouldn't happen under any law. People shouldn't come around until you had the baby. Mm. Then they take it away. Yeah. yeah. Till then, sit tight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whether or not that's still happening around in some places, and as Cam said, people coming around to, I don't know, mothers trying to take babies, things like that. Mm. I did see one explanation 
which, as Salty said, he thought this was going to be a cracker. Uh, and so too did I when I saw this explanation. And then it turns to, out to be boring. This guy wrote a book in the 90s. It's called, like, uh, The Daemonic World. And basically, he ties everything up in a very neat little bow. Everything. Mm-hmm. From phantom social workers to Bigfoot, to aliens, to ghosts. Uh his contention... Wait, wait, wait. Is Cam about to shut down the podcast? Yeah, I think this, so. This, this is it. This with the, the universal pill? This is... Hey, before we... Before <laughs> yeah, we the <laughs> universal pill. Before we do, guys... The pill. It's been a pleasure. It's yeah. been great. Yeah. Cam? Right. Final episode. Uh, basically, this got posited. Uh, he's got a Jungian worldview in the very literal sense that... Uh, he likes them Jung? No. <laughs> uh, the... The Earth Spirit, Gaia. Gaia. The, the, there's like an Earth Spirit that has a Bef- Goldberg. Bef- oh, I was going to say, does everyone know Gaia from Captain Planet? Yeah. Is that our? Is yeah. That- <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. So there's Gaia from Captain Planet. There's Wheeler, and he does fire. It's the heart kid. Yeah, that's the fucking heart. What kid. a useless <laughs> ring. Did he? Could he control animals? He could just kind of make the animals feel okay about things. Yeah. <laughs> so, Your forest is being destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't care. Like the animals are like, oh, no, our forest is being destroyed and then there's nerdy teenagers here. Yeah. Let's get these nerdy teenagers. And then he's like, ha <laughs> But he couldn't actually put them to any use. He I don't just think so. placating no. them. Yeah. Because yeah. if his powers of any use, he could just mind control yeah. all of the bad guys. Yeah, no, yeah. he couldn't do that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it would go against heart, mind yeah. control. Anyway, carry on. Uh, Gaia, the earth spirit. So there's this idea of a, like an, a global consciousness that we're all just facets of. So you might think that, well, I might think Salty is his own you know, consciousness. You know, Robbo, you're whatever. <laughs> Unnecessary. Heart. But ev- everybody is just like a facet of this consciousness. And then the idea is that phantom social workers... Bigfoots, aliens, all of it is just, they're just weird subconscious manifestations within the Jungian world consciousness. So it's just the world having a crazy dream. It's like, don't call, don't put the word daemonic in your, the title of your book <laughs> if you're not going to suggest that it's all just bloody demons. Isn't that the satanic Bible the same though? In the sense that if it's not really about Satan? Hmm. Yeah, he just wanted people to go, ooh, demonic. Um, To be fair, he's kind of right in the sense that... About the global consciousness? Not not that part. The world having a dream. Although I have got some graphs that I could show you about before a major event, the global consciousness spikes. Right. Um, What are these graphs based on? I can't remember this. There's a whole lot of people that say that there are certain waves that will spike whenever there's a... A big event happening. Waves, what? Just in the brainwaves. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I like. It's been ages. It's been probably about ten years since I looked at this properly, but it's a whole thing. But all these things, like Bigfoot, UFOs, maybe this kind of thing, the phantom social workers, they're all probably just a little bit made up in people's minds. Mm. So collectively, we're making up these random little things, then trying to make sense of the world based on those. How insightful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So that's it. Yeah. You can find... No, don't find us anywhere online because that's the end. Go back and listen to the last ones. Yeah. Buy my book.
about Jungian principles. <laughs> <laughs> Demonic beer and keg. <laughs> Don't worry about a thing. Um, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah. In the 80s, when these people were doing the reflex anal dilation technique, mm. it's really unfair of them to call it rad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that was peak rad fever. Yeah. They're all using the word. The BMX movie was still like in everyone's minds of how good that was. Yeah. And then they Are come out. about the movie Rad or BMX Bandits? The movie Rad. Okay. Because that had BMXs in it. Yeah, so did BMX Bandits. It sure did. And that was rad. <laughs> yeah, yep. See, exactly. Yeah. All these things and these bloody, what are their names? Marita Higgs and Jeffrey Wyatt. Yeah. Ugh, get out of here. about db cooper oh, dan cooper well that's the thing he did you know that he was never actually called db cooper uh i did in the sense that when i first looked into it i saw the a thing that was recreating it and he said dan cooper i'm like oh okay right so i hadn't given it that much thought where does db come from so all right let's just let's start say what start. let's say what <laughs> happened so it's thanksgiving eve uh, 1971, I believe. Mm, yeah, I didn't note it down, but yep. Uh, this guy gets on a plane to Seattle. It's just a short plane trip. From Portland? From Portland, Oregon, mm. home of Jason Wilson. Yep. You can cut that though. <laughs> That's a little shout out to our favourite Portland-based journalist who has never been uh, exonerated in the D.B. Cooper case. Oh, interesting. <laughs> as far as I know. It's Thanksgiving Eve. He gets on a plane to Seattle. He gives his name as Dan Cooper. This is back when you could get on a plane and just give a random name. Yeah. This is back when you could get on a plane, give a random name, say one bourbon thanks, and just start smashing durries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not have to really show them at all what you're carrying on the plane <laughs> yeah. before you get on the plane. Well, that's the thing. Once he gets on the plane, he does show them what he's carrying. Yeah. Uh, he slips his stewardess a note. She's like, oh... I'll I'll remember this in uh, 30-something years, in the age of hashtag me too. Yep. Just another sleaze bag giving me his number. Yep. He said, she puts it just straight into her bag. She's like, you know, keep my options open. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You don't want to insult him because men are volatile. He says to her, oh, just by the way, you should read that note. I have a bomb. (laughs) Yeah. So the note said. uh, I have a bomb. Yeah. Hi there. I'm hijacking this plane. Please sit next to me. Yeah. All right. She yeah. She sits down. She's like, "Can I have a look at your bomb?" It's like, "Well, it's going moving fast now after yeah. a frosty start." Uh, he opens up his case, shows her something that looks like a bomb. Yeah, mm. some red cylinders. <laughs> yeah, some wires, which is also just a classic paper mache yeah. bomb. That, that's how I would make a bomb if I was going to make a fake bomb. Okay, can I throw it out there? If you guys saw someone said, "I've got a bomb," and they had that cartoonish equivalent of a bomb, yeah. 
What level of panic would you have? I'd just Zero. I'd start pulling wires out. <laughs> say, call your bluff. I would panic and I would just be like, screw it. I don't need to take this risk. Yeah, but you, you're already a nervous flyer, right? No, I like flying. Oh. We'll see after this. Yeah, no, I still like flying. <laughs> so anyway, he gives his demands, which is that he wants a whole shitload of cash delivered to the plane. So he wants them to touch down in, in Seattle. Bringing on board a whole bunch of cash. $200,000. Bring on in non-sequential notes mm-hmm. because he knows that's how they get you. Yep. Yeah. Everyone can piss off. Bring me parachutes. Four parachutes. And no dodgy body parachutes. Yeah. Only proper ones. Yeah. I guess the, that's the thing about asking for four parachutes. It's like, well... Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> they, they're like, oh, well, if you only ask for one parachute, you know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Just give one with the strings cut off. <laughs> Which they did actually... The parachute he used didn't have a backup chute. Right. Because it's just a... They initially brought him like Air Force parachutes. Which he was sus on, mm. so that he made them get civilian parachutes. So they had to go to like a nearby skydiving school mm. and take them from there. But the one, one, the one he actually used was a training chute that only had the main parachute, but didn't have any backup. Oh, right. it was like it was stitched up. Yeah. Clearly, um, he was into extreme sports. Yeah. He also asked for a meal for the crew. Mm. So the crew stayed on. Obviously, they delivered the the cash. Delivered the meal. Delivered him another drink. Yep. Did which he, another, yep. he paid for and tried to give her the stewardess the change. Right. Uh, yeah, ordered everyone off. You, they, want a bit, you want a tip in that scenario and that kind of culture. Yeah. The other thing at this point that he's done is uh, oh, whacked on some sunnies. Yeah. Which is like, all right, cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think whacked on sunnies and uh, taking his tie off, right? Yeah. Which was just a yeah. clip on tie, which yeah. detracts from the coolness. Yeah. That's because, so, yeah, yeah. That's not cool. Yeah. But once your sunnies are on, unclip it. Yeah. Couple of buttons open. Well, cool so dude. I read one theory and I didn't look it up um, that the Reservoir Dogs outfits were based on DB Cooper. Oh. The sunglasses, the narrow black ties, uh. the black suit. Uh, allegedly, that's where the inspiration came from. Right. Uh, the idea of the sunglasses is supposedly. To, so that they couldn't identify him with eye colour or anything. Mm. So this was... He just smashed an edible before he got on board and he was <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're going to see how wasted I am. <laughs> uh, the Lindbergh baby kidnapping had happened quite recently. Mm. Or, it, you know, it had happened previously and there was a lot of kidnapping info uh, or, like, ransom info was fresh in the public's mind. Mm. So... The American public have learnt a lot about how to get caught doing a kidnapping, which is to get sequential bills, yeah. which they can catch you with. And I think there was something about uh, the eyes. <laughs> Did him in there. Wait, so instead of warnings, these are tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this kidnapping's happened. It was very successful. Here's yeah. how you do it. Not no, sequential bills. It wasn't successful because they caught him. Right. Oh, did they get the Lindbergh baby guy? There'd been something ransom thing recently where they they uh, got okay. caught. Right. Uh, the thing is, even though he got non sequential bills, they photographed every single bill before they gave it to him, so they had all of the serial numbers. That would take so long oh, in that time. Do it quickly. Mm. They didn't have any digital cameras. Put a bunch of them up on. Yeah, if they laid out like. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Dush, took one photo. What's that douche thing? What is that? Dush. That's the sound of the camera. <laughs> How big is this camera? What camera are we using? Well, they probably had like a 
a pallet with gunpowder on top of it as well. <laughs> um, it would be annoying if you got back. You kind of rob on up my fucking sound effects. <laughs> if they got it back because, like, in these times, you stuff up a photo, you just take it again. Mm. Back then, you got to wait. Then they knew how to use cameras. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So they give him the money. Plane takes off again. Uh, he orders everyone into the cockpit. Says, "Don't come out. You're all right. You're all right up there." He also tells them what to do with the plane. Yeah, he says to lower it to a certain altitude. I think he said like lower the flaps fifteen degrees, lower it to this certain altitude. So he knew what he was talking about within the plane mm. scenario. So they do all that. They're flying along, and then they know they notice the plane makes a sort of weird sort of move that uh, is consistent with the back door being opened up. What's that little light flashing? Mm. Oh, oh, just a bloody door light. <laughs> <laughs> so these certain planes, they had you know on on army things, you see the the tail, there's a tail flap things goes down and they push things out the back. Yeah. Had one of those. Yeah. That's the technical name for it. Yeah. Tail flap where you push things out of. Um, so he knew that that particular plane had that and knew where to find the the lever to activate mm. it. And then he uh, bloody jumped out. I'm sure he was seen again though, wasn't he? Never to be seen Never. again. Not even, not even by the Air Force planes that were ghosting the plane. They were following it. Really? Up above. It was quite it was a stormy night, right? It was the weather was pretty bad. Do you think they checked the plane afterwards? They, they did. Okay. Quite thoroughly. <laughs> He's just hiding. <laughs> a cleaner some FBI guy comes on, he like knocks him out, puts his clothes on, and just walks off. <laughs> Do you see anyone? No, Frank. No. <laughs> just going home. But yeah, gone. Vanished. They vanished. Never to be seen again. Uh, the money was never spent. So this was the thing. They, I think it was a huge reward for if you ever came across any of these notes. And they published all of the serial numbers. They did find some of the, like, some notes ripped up, right? In yeah. The, in the bushland. Yeah, but not where anywhere near where it should have landed. Mm. So in the 80s, uh, a little kid uh, found a whole bunch of notes that still had the lacquer bands on them. Right. So there was an issue where... One, the money wasn't anywhere near where it would have fallen. Even if it had fallen like out of the plane while it was jumping out, it wasn't where it should be. And also, if it had, if it had fallen out of the plane and like gotten washed along a river or something, in the time since that had happened, the elastic bands should have deteriorated. deteriorated. Yeah. So there's a theory that he might have buried some of the money, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to spend it at least for a very long time. Mm be that hard to spend money like that right well everyone's on the lookout for this money and there was, yeah, there was a, i don't know there, there was a big reward for if you found on these notes and also because they had all the serial numbers when the money goes back into the banking system which would eventually mm. you know let's say you just spend it down the Seven Eleven, just oh slurpees for life yeah <laughs> on the on the yeah, the government's dime. Yeah. Eventually that money is going to go back to the bank and then they can trace it back to the 7-Eleven. They can say, who's been buying all of these Slurpees with these $20 bills? Back then, like, you go buy something, say, at a hardware shop. Mm. This is how I imagine yep. the 60s or yeah, 70s. Hardware, hardware stores store. use banks, though, right? <laughs> yeah, but they then they take all their money in at the end of the day or maybe the end of the week, mm. bank counts it up. Yep, good. We're all clear. And then it goes into whatever piles they have, mm. the money pile. 
Someone does a little bit of diving later on. Yep. Uh, once that's all happened, then they send it off to be counted somewhere and then they pick up the serial numbers. How well, like, how accurate could they pinpoint where that came from, do you think? I think they could. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. you were both high-pitched about it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that we've gotten that out of the way, Salty, the reason he's known as D.B. Cooper, even though his name was Dan Cooper, is that their first, the police, so they begin a police investigation and their first theory is, well, let's knock out the simple one. What if it's just a guy called Dan Cooper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was like a local uh, crim by the name of D.B. Cooper. And they go around to his place and they're like, wasn't you, was it, you bloody goose? It's like, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> but it gets reported that uh, they've gone and visited D.B. Cooper and then some journo has like gotten that name in his head and when he's written his article, he's put in D.B. Cooper instead of Dan Cooper and it just entered the mythos. What sort of an idiot journalist would get someone's name wrong? Mm. Something I did exactly this week. <laughs> <laughs> Silly duffer. So have you guys heard of the comic book, D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper, sorry? No. <clears throat> so there's this uh, Franco-Belgian, no, Belgian-Canadian comic book uh, that was the name of the protagonist was Dan Cooper. Right. He was a pilot. He one of the comics I think specifically jumped out of a plane with a parachute and satchels of money. People were theorizing that this DB Cooper might have come from Canada, based on the fact that it was quite an obscure comic in America, um, and it was all based on that. He was reliving the the comic of Dan Cooper. Doesn't sound like a Canadian thing to do, though. Maybe that's why no one expects suspects. Although, a famously polite hijacker. Yeah, there you go. Mm. He even got meals for the crew. Yeah, there was a. Oh, that sounded very Canadian. <laughs> there was a theory for a while that the main character in Mad Men was going to end up being DB Cooper, right? Don Draper. Mm. That's how yeah. that. That's how that show. People were theorizing that they reckon that's how that show was going to end, with him being DB Cooper. Huh. That's fun. I never watched Mad Men, so I don't know, yeah, that, I don't know. how much weight that holds against his character or not. Should we go? All I know his... is that he's got a massive cock. <laughs> Does he? John Hamm. Oh, really? Famously. Famously. Really? Dick. You can cut this though. <laughs> John <laughs> Hamm. He had to get told to put underpants on, I think, on the set because his fucking dick was flopping around his leg. Of his John Hamm is fucking handsome. As the Dickens. Yeah. Oh, one of the most handsome people you've ever seen in your life. Massive cock. Massive cock. Don't waste too much time with this bit you're going to cut. <laughs> good, yeah. Good, act, good actor. <laughs> you shouldn't cut this. And he's a, he's a hilarious guy. Have you ever heard him interviewed? Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. He's in it. that guy. Cut, cut, <laughs> So, should we talk about some of the suspects? Yeah, we shall. Uh, basically, there's quite a few. Yep. Anyone who's ever strapped on a parachute and then done a crime, yep. they were like, yeah, well, it could be. And the thing is, it's 1971. The war is not that uh, in the too far in the distant past. So there's a whole ship. Vietnam's still going, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, he, I think he was supposed to be in like his late 40s, maybe early 50s. Mm. So he's sort of the right age to be one of the many people in their late 40s, early 50s who uh, had strapped on a parachute relatively recently. Mm. So they came up with a. Quite a few suspects. There was also, there was like some guy who just murdered his whole family. They're like, yeah, that sounds right. That'd be a guy without much to lose yeah. yep. that might jump out of a plane. They caught up with that guy a bit later 
And he, he's like, I'll put my hand up to annihilating my family. I'm not DB Cooper. <laughs> so, well, good good bloke, that guy. Yeah, I that- wish I'd done that instead. <laughs> Tell me how he did it. <laughs> that was good enough for the feds. Uh, there was a guy called Richard McCoy Jr. who was an army veteran. He'd done two tours in Vietnam. Uh, first as a demolition expert and later he was a helicopter pilot. So he knew a bit about skydiving. He was also a, a uh, recreational skydiver. That was his mm. hobby. Mm. Uh, after this hijacking, there were there was a few copycats. Yeah, because clearly you wouldn't immediately patch up all of the security holes <laughs> and allow this to happen. And he was one of the copycat people, but I, they worked out who he was, right. and he, he ended up dying in a shootout with the police. Uh, the guy that shot him. Said, yep, I shot DB Cooper. 100%. It's like, yeah. Claim of course you'd say that. Yeah. After a few drinks. He's not a suspect. His age wasn't quite right. Uh, he didn't really match the description. And also, the FBI, like, their opinion of DB Cooper's skydiving skill was that he was maybe not that great at it. Whereas this guy was like an expert skydiver. They didn't find him. Yeah. Sounds like he was great at it. <laughs> he's, he's just trying to get a cheap shot in there. Well, just stuff like him not checking the the parachute to realise that the one he'd taken. So that's the one thing I, I kind of thought when you said he's a recreational skydiver. Mm. And knowing in the 70s you could just take whatever you want on a plane, including mm. a bomb, you'd probably just take your own parachute. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't need to go through that malarkey. Put it under your jacket. We just carry it on. Just like, so it's, I'm just a hunchback. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I found another guy called, so there was a, there's a whole bunch of them. I just picked yeah. out four. Uh, there was a guy called William Gossett, who later changed his name to Wolfgang Gossett. Mm-hmm. Anyone that's changing their name to Wolfgang, I'm very suspicious about. <laughs> uh, he did that in 1988 and became also became a Catholic priest. Anyone that... <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to a passenger on the plane, he shared a physical detail... With the hijacker, it's not clear what that is. Massive dick. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I guess you've got to leave all that stuff in. Uh, there's also someone, uh, Galen Cook, who is someone who is very fond of the theory that he was D.B. Cooper, uh, says there are links between Gossett and the four letters signed by D.B. Cooper. So this is something that happened after it, uh, the... I think the police or maybe local newspapers received letters signed D.B. Cooper, which, again, is not the name that he used when he did the crime. Yeah, right. But uh, and it's really not clear whether the actual guy sent them. Hmm. Probably not because he's dead in a forest somewhere. <laughs> Although if after the fact he had been like, oh, they've been reporting me as D.B. Cooper, fuck it, D.B. Cooper yeah, signed yeah. his letters. Might as well in for a penny and for a pound. Mm. That's what? my brand now. <laughs> Got to build his brand up. <laughs> But uh, late in life, he told his sons that he was D.B. Cooper, this gossip guy. Yeah. And he also really looks like the sketch. Right. At the time, he was also, later in life, a paranormal investigator. Okay. And there's a great news report on YouTube from like 1985 where it's a weird news report because he's like showing them haunted houses and they put it together so creepily. They use like audio of little girls singing uh, ring around the rosy, mong, 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 mong. 
is, you know, classic. Yeah. What a little girl ghost would sing. Yeah. But don't put it in the news. <laughs> <laughs> but in the news report, he says that uh, he was in this house and a little girl ghost said to him, I know who you are. Which is why would you say that unless you knew that he had a secret and that secret was that he was D.B. Cooper. Right. Or... Oh, here we go. You just want to... Robo-wing incoming. You just want to freak out the, the guys in your house. Get out of my house. I don't yeah. know who you are. This is true. Uh, he also was obsessed with D.B. Cooper and um, collected heaps of newspaper articles. Yeah. The other guy I found was a guy called Dwayne Weber. Okay. He was a World War II Army veteran. Uh, he also did a lot of crimes. He served time in six prisons between f- 1945 and 1968 for burglary and forgery. Uh, his missus fingered him for the crime. Three days before he died in 1995, he told his wife, I'm Dan Cooper. Right. right. Which is pretty good evidence as it yeah. goes. She said, I don't know who that is. Right. She's like, oh, <laughs> man, this is my big way to go out. But, but a few months later, uh, she was telling a, a friend that uh, he'd said, I'm Dan Cooper. She's like, what do you reckon you meant by that? She said, you need to go bloody pop down to the library. Yeah. Look up D.B. Cooper. Light up the microfilm. Yeah. So she went to the library. She found a book about the case and discovered in the margins her husband's handwriting where he'd made a bunch of notations. Right. She then also recalled in retrospect that her husband had once had a nightmare where he talked in his sleep about jumping from a plane and had specifically said that he was worried that he'd left fingerprints on the aft stairs, which is what... Uh, Dan Cooper had jumped from. He also had had an old knee injury that he'd explained as, as having occurred when he jumped out of a plane. <laughs> Jesus. I, if I was married to someone and said, I had an old knee injury, I've got this knee injury, how'd you do it, love? Because we're married. Yeah. Oh, I did it when I was jumping out of a plane. I wouldn't leave it there. Mm. I would ask well, he was for in, more clarification. He was in, the, in World War II. Uh, yeah. So it could have been a World War II injury. She knew better not to ask him about the war. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I didn't know him like she did. Yeah. Like this, this is from, from Wikipedia, which, you, again, you've got to read from the top to the bottom. Uh, <laughs> like the hijacker, Weber drank bourbon and chain-smoked. Yep. Yep. Other circumstantial evidence included a 1979 trip to Seattle and the Columbia River, during which Weber took a walk alone along the riverbank in the Tina Bar area, Four months later, that kid made the discovery of the cash in that exact area. Right. <laughs> that's not circumstantial. Yeah, no, that's pretty like, good. In the courtroom, it's circumstantial. In podcast court, it's damning evidence. So he, you, you think he's the guy? Maybe. So apparently his fingerprints didn't actually match the fingerprints that they got from the plane. Okay. Right. Uh, they also have some DNA evidence from like his tie. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's weird because they they say that uh, the, they had one bit of clothing with a bit of DNA and one bit with a lot. Mm. So I wonder if they found like a bit of random stuff with blood on it. Actually, no, cut that. That's sure doesn't hold up. So they um, had they had some DNA from his tie, but DNA, especially like in the seventies, was a bit tricky. Mm. So the one thing they found on his tie was titanium. Mm. Loads of titanium. Mm. It's just riddled with titanium, and. At the time, they theorized, and I think even recently, they theorized that titanium is mostly used in airplane manufacturing. Mm. So it's used at the time mostly in airplane manufacturing. So they thought he was either a Boeing employee or there's another company that used it a lot in the same area. 
Um, and there's a few people that I think worked at these places that was also, you know, parachute men or whatever. Yeah. Because that would make sense, though. Uh, if you worked for the plane manufacturer, you would know, all right, this plane is going to be the one that I can do this on. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's also a theory that, uh, it, yeah, it was just a, got some guy with a job because it happened over the, the Thanksgiving weekend, which was a four-day weekend. And so that way, if you do it on the you know the Friday night or whatever it was, you get around that issue of, all right, well, we just need to see who didn't show up to work yeah. on Monday. Well, you've got to actually, you've got a couple extra days to get home and show up to work like nothing ever happened. Yeah. My last suspect that I'm bringing to the table is a Robert Arakstraw. Robert Wesley Arakstraw was a retired pilot. He was also an ex-con. In 1978, uh, the D.B. Cooper Task Force came to consider him to be a suspect. Got arrested in Iran uh, for doing a bunch of dodgy stuff. I think uh, explosives possession and also check kiting. So I think... Passing dodgy checks. So two crimes on slightly different <laughs> levels. Yeah. A couple of months later, he tried to fake his own death by radioing a false mayday call and uh, telling controllers he was jumping out of a plane. Mm. Uh, he got done for a bunch of other plane-related crimes. I guess he did enough plane crimes that they're like, could he have done the biggest plane crime <laughs> of them all? In 2016, uh, some dude who wrote a book about Cooper called The Last Master Outlaw... Thomas J. Colbert got a massive uh, investigatory hard-on for Rackstraw. So there's these four letters that D.B. Cooper sent. and Apparently there was a fifth and a sixth one that were never released to the public. Mm. They're all just very small letters, the ones that had come out. I think one of them like, r- refers to having watched a football game. It's like, oh, I, love, I, loved the, uh, I love that cup, that cup game. The big match. The big match. Yeah. Cheers, D.B. Cooper. <laughs> Uh, the fifth and the sixth runs, uh, I think, had a few more words. And this guy got the idea that there was some sort of code hidden in them. So one of the things that it said in the letter uh, was, I want out of the system and saw a way through good old Unc. You know, Uncle, yep. Uncle Sam. Uncle oh, Sam. Yep. Uh, but uh, using their special code, they determined that that said, I went out of the system and saw a way by skyjacking a jet plane. Sounds like the QAnon kind of code. <laughs> uh, and a second sentence they decoded said, and please tell the lackey cops, DB Cooper is not my real name. They decoded that to, I am First Lieutenant Robert Rackstraw. <laughs> DB Cooper is not my real name. <laughs> right. It's a weird code. This is what I don't get. Because this, this all came out like, a month ago, this code stuff. Right. Yeah. I think they um, there was like a a book and like a History Channel doco that really pointed at this guy in 2016. He says he lost his job over it because uh, he's still alive. Mm. This code stuff came out in June, and I, it was like on a bunch of websites. Like it was in news.com.au, blah blah blah. So like, is no one gonna say, hey, what's the code that? <laughs> perfectly decodes very normal <laughs> sentences into like exactly exact admissions yeah. i if my employee if i was the boss of a a guy that came out and it turns out that person was db cooper yeah i wouldn't fire them no that shows so many skills well it depends on the job no yeah no. 
Even then. <laughs> if he was like an air steward, I'd say, all right, you can't be an air steward anymore. Oh, I think if he's had a good work record, I'm okay with it. Well, no, what I'd say is... Knows how you, to handle a crisis in the air. If you're going to be doing this the... That's true. If you're doing the, the pre-flight bloody safety instructions, I want someone with more attention to detail than the guy that takes the parachute with one shoot stitched up. Well, he never got caught. All right. Exits in front of you and, and to the rear. By the way, don't worry about the the life jacket. Just chuck it on. Don't worry about putting any of these strings, what they do. Ham's just dying to fire someone, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Did you come across... Um, so, just to conclude with Robert Rackstraw, they allege that the FBI has been covering up Rackstraw's involvement for years oh. because Rackstraw was secretly in the CIA. The FBI wouldn't cover that up. They're which, is some, which does sort of track with being like an army guy doing crimes in Iran. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a favourite theory. Is it about a person or a... Yeah. Oh, go. Do you want me to do mine first? What were you going to say? Are you, are you, I'm not convinced by mine. I just want to mention it. What is it? Uh, Barbara Dayton. No. Oh, so Barbara... It's a woman. Yeah. So, Barbara Dayton um, used to be known as Pat Dayton. Right. Uh, wanted to get in the army, wasn't able to get into the army. Became, uh, um, I think, Merchant Navy so or Merchant Air Force. If I know anything from bloody Miles Mathis, he can't trust a merchant. No, no. <laughs> Um, and was a pilot and a, apparently very gung-ho about doing things. So mm. known for taking risks, known for being a, a bit of a loose cannon in the air and when she was, uh, I think he at the time was parachuting. Um, and then she, the story is the, the allegedly she went back into her own old persona as a man and she was working in a factory and people were joking about it afterwards, the D.B. Cooper thing. And they said, oh, maybe you were, maybe you well, he did this, and she allegedly said, "This is a direct quote: Never make a joke like that again." Which is the, what you would say if you were being body misgendered. Yep. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Look at this bloke that did this crime, eh? <laughs> maybe it was you, Barbara. Okay, now fair point. Fair point. Yeah. All right, but there's a uh, there's a few other reasons, and a lot of people thought it was her. Yeah, she's very bitter about the aeronautic industry. Yeah, right. and so it was like lashing out at planes. Yeah. My favourite theory is that D.B. Cooper is one Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the writer, director, creator of The Room? Yes. <sighs> Go Let's on. look at the facts. D.B. Cooper, no one knows where he was from. Real age, name unknown. His The language used in the note was kind of weird. Like he wanted negotiable American currency, mm -hmm. not just them fat bills. Yeah. <laughs> As any, bills. As, as any white American man would say. The Benjamins. Give me them fat bills. Give me them Benjamins. Took a bunch of money, vanished mysteriously, and no one knows what happened to him. Now, cut to Mr. Tommy Wiseau. Wiseau? Wiseau? Yeah, whatever. Uh, yep. Appeared mysteriously with a large amount of money. <laughs> yep. So, you, you're D.B. Cooper. You've got 200 grand, which in the 70s is a lot of money. Mm. Pop over to bloody somewhere in Eastern Europe, yep. invest your US dollar bills, make a mint, rock up later with a basically bottomless supply of money. Yep. No one's going to be tracking your dollar bills in bloody 
Eastern Sl- Europe, are they? Slovakia, aren't they? No. They're not going to count, look at your serial numbers. They haven't got photos of all your bills. Give me those American dollars. Yeah. His colleagues and everyone says that he's much, much older than he makes himself out to be. No one knows how old Tommy is, but he's apparently pretty old. Yep. <laughs> Has a very strange accent that no one can pin down. Yep. And no one knows where he's from. Makes sense. Crack the case? Yeah. I wonder if there's code in the room somewhere. Oh, there must be. Yeah. He wears suit a lot. He does. Sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Hang on. There's a picture. Salty just was outfield himself. <laughs> this was, I, I did. I actually did when I looked at it. What's this? Uh, what is this? What a side-by-side sketch and Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> How's that? Oh, separated at birth. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I noticed about like this. The comment under that. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I um, saw a bunch of people who were accused of being D.B. Cooper and they put their photos at the time up against the sketch. Mm. They all looked like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's it was like, a very generic looking thing, right? It's a yeah. generic white guy sketch. And then it's like you whack sunglasses on it and it's like, all right, fair enough, D.B. Cooper. You bloody nailed it with your sunglass idea. <laughs> you can't really... That really takes a lot of the face out. Yeah, yeah. I also saw with uh, the paranormal investigator guy, Gossett, Someone did like a, it was not the most uh, scientific recreation of all time, but they did a thing where they're like, all right, here's him next to the the sketch at the time, bang on. Mm. Here's the sketch with his crazy paranormal investigator beard aged next to him now with his crazy paranormal investigator beard. A bloody bang on. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else on DB? No. I like it. It's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel he, if he was an Australian, people would think he was a hero. He'd be a Ned Kelly type yeah. figure. <laughs> I think he sort of was a bit of a folk hero. Even yeah, in I think he was. He? Yeah, I think people look him look at him with reverence. Right. Although he did bloody bring in eventually a lot of like security improvements yeah. to yeah. <laughs> the airports, which sort of ruined the golden age of just being able to take whatever onto a plane. I do feel like a couple of other things influenced that. Yeah, probably. Because the thing is, he was like considered the good hijacker. Yeah. Because at the time, people were hijacking planes and they're like, oh, we're going to blow the plane up. Oh, they're going to take me to Cuba. I'm going to kill everyone if you don't. He was like the nice hijacker. Yeah. I do remember reading, I'm not going to ever going to be able to find it quickly, something about like when he hijacked the plane a statistic about how many hijackings there were per year around then. Mm. And it was staggeringly high. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a thing that people did a lot. It took a long time for them to lock that down. <laughs> I think there was... yeah. There, Fly there, me to Cuba. There's a reason why hijacking movies don't really exist anymore because it doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. Like There was a time where it's just, oh, another hijacking. Oh, they're off to Libya. Here yeah. they go again. There's an article here, list of Cuba United States aircraft hijackings and it's got like 50s 60s there's fucking heaps of them it's like goes on and on and on like nearly in 1960s it's like april 12th 1960 july 5th july 17th july 28th october 29th december 8th all in 1960 in 61 january 
May, July, 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 August, August. It's like, fucking hell. People were mad for it. <laughs> Should we wrap this up? Yeah. Where can people find us online? You can get us uh, at hypoth- Hypothopod on Twitter, hypotheticalinstitute.com. You can rate us on iTunes or Sneaky5. Give us a four. That'll do. No, give us no, a five. Give us a five. Uh, Facebook, only, you can do the same. But Fa- only Heart Reacts. Heart on Reacts only on Facebook. People are a little bit slack on that lately. Yeah. Uh, you can get me at Ale of a Time and aleofatime.com. Uh, you can get me at Saltmarsh on Twitter, Andrew Saltmarsh Illustration on Facebook, and check out Tohider on Patreon. And you can get me at Sexenheimer on Twitter and gather around me on Facebook and iTunes for my other podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Don't worry. About a thing Except if all our world leaders are alien reptilians I said don't worry About a thing Except maybe the fluoride in our water supply contains mind-altering drugs Don't worry About a thing Except whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia. I said, don't worry about a thing. I accept. You can definitely hear John Lennon say, I buried Paul at the end of Strawberry Fields forever. Ooh, don't worry about a thing. Except not only did Bush do 9 11, but he also keeps the planes out in Area 51, which. Let's not forget where all the aliens are. Don't worry about a thing. Except Donald Trump is clearly a 